Hello kids, it's time for the Millholes Bard Witchcraft Podcast. Please be warned that today we'll be talking about some rather unsavoury topics. So for those sort of people that would pass out at the sight or sound of blood, you may not want to join us for this episode because we're going to be talking about vampirism and it won't just be the psychic vampires. Chris, you know the psychic vampires, those people that just drain you of all of your energy and such. You've worked with a few over the years, haven't you? I'm sure everyone has. You mean Wiccans? No, uh, <laughs> ones that are still alive. People who've worked with are still alive. Yes. Yes. You find them a lot in the HR department. You know, busy bodies, they thrive on other people's energy, draining other people's energy. If I, I ever wanted a bitch and worked in an office, which I haven't, but I did work doing maintenance in offices before. I especially like the fancy law firm down on this down on the harbour front because in there all of the vending machines on every floor was free so you could just go in and you didn't need coins or anything it was just all free that's how much money they all made there but all their candies and sweets and drinks were free i loved it i used to fill my <laughs> toolbox up with them i'm working at coca-cola as well but i can't talk about that because you weren't supposed to take any of that home anyway talking about things we are supposed to be talking about today <laughs> Psychic vampirism is probably the most boring form of vampirism in general. But we have to do the boring stuff first, Chris, because the good stuff they got to pay for, aren't they? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, so on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, the extended edition of this, we'll talk about the every oozing trickle of blood and blood sports and such. We'll even talk about those people that own the world and McDonald's and that. You know the Illuminati is it the Illuminati Chris? Those are the gold those are the golden arches. Yeah, the ones that own the golden arches. Because this episode is sponsored by McDonald's. Get your accounts <laughs> up for us now. <laughs> well stop your last. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> So, yeah, psychic vampirism, Mr. Chris, can you can you define for us or just explain to us what a psychic vampire is? It's an energetic sucker. So, you know, someone who normally, often, is also coupled with that other thing we like a lot, narcissism. Um, so normally is somebody that spends so much time talking about them as a distraction point in order to suck the life out of you. Um, you actually get some very, what's the word, well-meaning. Um, they're often, they're often your, like Liam said, they're normally your receptionists, your HR people, um, your kind of hate, I don't know what, HCAs are in other places, your kind of healthcare assistants. So the ones that don't necessarily want to be real nurses, um, but want to Chris. want oh, to put come on. You are a nasty bitch, okay. don't you? Should, should I have said should I have said should I have said um first aiders is what I should have said. Oh, no, Chris, you're just being nasty now. Next, you'll be saying biomedical scientists are all just failed doctors. <laughs> I best not go there. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they're normally those people that, you know, donate lots of time to charity, but never seem to actually achieve anything. Um. So, you know, it, they tend to be those. They tend to be the ones that tell you constantly about all the good things they do for people. Um, and in the meantime, they're sapping everything out of you. Um, you get very rarely are the ones that kind of fit the stereotype of vampire, actually. The kind of loners. Need yeah, the goth loners. You think I, I, faces I, in the eyeliner. 
I've noticed that some of the psychic vampire types are actually, I find, well tanned. Sometimes, if they've got a bit of money, it's a genuine tan. A lot of the time, it's spray tan, Chris. Because I find that a lot of the psychic vampirism and the attention-seeking goes hand-in-hand with the sort of social media narcissism, you say. They're obsessed with their looks and obsessed with preening themselves and such and with everyone else's gossip. There's a certain someone that's not a real person. She is a real person, but I can't give her a name. We'll call her Barbara right and barbara runs up to pretty much everyone and i mean runs up to people like physically runs she's in her she's middle-aged you know middle-aged woman runs up to people to say oh do you know what this is do you know what's happened now do you know what this is do you know what's happened here do you know what this person's done with this do you know who's carrying on with ill you know they're old because they're saying carry on with only old people say carrying on and courting and such and it so <laughs> with this, it reminds me of this game I used to play, Chris. No, it's not one of the ones where I used to kill ants with the magnifying glass. It's another one, right? The one that I call, because it is called down the box, Scalex Trick. Did you ever have a Scalex Trick? A Scalex Trick, yeah. I love a Scalex Trick. For those that don't know what a Scalex Trick is, it's basically like a plastic track right, that plugs in and you put these little cars on and there's two circuits, there's two metal circuits that are built into the track so you can reconfigure the track. But as long as it's all joined up to make a, a circuit, usually like a figure of eight or something like that, although I had a fancy one that had like an up and over loopy loop. Um, if you put these little special cars on, it whizzes around the track, right, and you can control it. When you take that little Scalex trick car off of the track, it's very dead. It's got no batteries in it or anything like that. It's just got basically a shitty little motor in it, okay? When you put it on the track, all of a sudden it just lights up. Some of them have little headlights and stuff like that, but it lights up and whizzes around. Barbara was a lot like that. She had to be constantly energized and being fed. Like a lot of people be, get fed by stimulation of the mind, scintillating conversation and food and, you know, the normal stuff. It was gossip that Barbara thrived on constantly. And you could tell when she was telling someone some gossip, even if it was something that she'd already told them the previous day or possibly hour, she needed that almost to keep herself alive. It's really rather fascinating. Now, not everyone that's a gossip is a psychic vampire, but the energy flow, I suppose you could say, the basic principle is similar. So psychic vampires are people that have some kind of deficit often when it comes to energy. So these people may be psychic, psychic vampire, psychic. They work on a psychic level, but there tends to be some form of deficit. And the way in which they feed or the way in which they kind of fix that gaping hole, right, is that they do so on a almost like a parasitic level, whether people are aware of it or not. Now, you can enter into a room and get a room full of people and then it can be a bit of hustle and bustle and stuff. And then a psychic vampire will physically walk in, not touch any anything, not touch anyone, not saying any, anything. But the room, the energy in the room changes. It goes, droops down, goes cold, you know, it's that kind of, I don't think you've got to be fairly sensitive to to uh, suss out a psychic vampire, Chris. I think when you understand the signs, pretty much anyone, even mundanes, can spot them, can't they? Yeah, I tend to find them because they tend to feel to me slimy. That's the only way I can describe it. There's like a residue left over. You know, mm. and you, you fill a cup too much and some dribbles down the side and it solidifies and goes all gross. Um, that to me is what a psychic vampire looks like. Right. Okay. So a sugary spilt drink. Yeah, because <laughs> as in, like they never, they're never full, are they? So the reason I say like that is they are an overfull vessel that all the sides are dripping because they they're not very careful with what they're doing. 
mainly because they're generally not even aware. It's interesting because they never produce, they never seem to produce energy themselves. Now, if you get, whether it's magical practitioners or mundanes, let's just take some boring mundanes, for example. You get a couple of mates that are mundanes, they go down the pub after work, they have a little chat. They're not necessarily hyper, but they're all engaged. They're all engaged with each other, engaged with conversation, and there's an energy, a little buzz there, right? Now, that's because even if one or two of those friends don't really talk, they're part of the group. They're kind of gelling with the group. They're not taken away from the group. They're all contributing something to that general energy around that pub table. Psychic vampires don't. It is literally like it's a little bit cold in the winter and then you've opened the door and the air just kind of gushes in, but it's more like a sucking motion. So it sucks the energy out of the room or the group or what have you, which is really interesting, quite fascinating. Now, psychic vampirism, we're probably not going to spend a huge amount of time discussing it because to be honest with you, it's boring, all right? It's boring. People want to know about blood. People want to know about Chris. Is there any actual real life Edward Cullens out there? You know, is there any pasty white men that are 16 years old? In reality, they're like 100 and something that, you know, want to feed off people's blood and like have really high gelled up hair. Is that a real thing or is that just from Stephanie Mayer's imagination? Um, well, the only vampire I can think of really is Hugh Hefner, but that that's a different kind. Isn't he dead? <laughs> That's what he wants you to think, Liam. What oh, I see. This sounds like a conspiracy. Anyway, um, the short answer is no, which is they don't tend to stick at 16 forever, but you do have those that kind of slow down their, their ageing, um, but oh. they don't tend to be psychic vampires. Those tend to be after other kinds of secretion. So you mean like, what's her name from um, American Horror Story in New Orleans? She used to go and get the dead, the little babies and like apply their blood to her face to make her wrinkles come, but look left, get rid of the crow's feet, yeah? On her face. Yeah, that sort of shit. Right, okay. So that's interesting. What about the LARPers, though, Chris? What about people that go on, um, I think, it's, is it Eyes Bright or something like that? They get the colour-changing contact lenses, right? And they get, like, the the fake vampire teeth and stuff. Like, some people go and get that sort of thing for Halloween, to go to a Halloween party to dress up and that. These people do it, like, all the time, right? What about those people, the people that dress up and, and sleep in coffins and such? Are they real vampires or not? I can't believe you're asking me that question. Well, some people out there will want to know. Of course. And if you ask yourself the question, we won't hear, or at least a lot of our audience won't be able to hear because it will be in your head. Okay. No. LARPers are not very capable of doing many things. But they do drink blood, like some of them go so far, because I have went on a website once that was dedicated to all this sort of thing when I was doing some research in. And um, it was the rage like, in the 90s. It was for this club in America, because you know all the crazy stuff seems to go on in America or China, right? So in this club in America, it was like dedicated to vampire like role play that kind of thing so everyone that goes there is going to be dressed as a vampire and stuff and they had like club rules and one of the club rules was you're not allowed to actually um swap blood on the premises so you're not actually allowed to feed off of each other on the premises they do have like lots of red drinks that you can purchase from the bar because it is a bar but ultimately like there are people that go and drink each other's bloods and stuff like that because they either think that they're vampires or want to think that they're vampires and there's all these various diseases and stuff like that um that you can get ingesting blood whether it be your own but particularly other people's isn't really a very good idea 
So please don't try that at home. <laughs> I suppose is what I'm saying. So yeah, there are, and I remember they were quite popular in the nineties, weren't there? There were quite a few mm. kind of small cults, weren't there, that were convinced that they were. I think most of them died with like hepatitis and things. But the um, well, that or the HIV. The HIV, yeah, the HIV is the other one. Um, we're not designed to uh, keep swapping blood unless in unless in very specific trans trans um, transfusions. That's the one transfusions, which is a very specific process. Um, but yes, other than those kind of cults, I d I don't know. I don't find blood sharing is is a strange practice um that seems to be a fairly modern one i don't know if that's fair to say liam my in my experience well, it's a very would agree with you i think they'd say all about something to do with like well at the moment what's the popular one it used to be egyptian now it's all mesopotamian isn't it here all oh, this goes back to the egyptian times nowadays this, this goes back to the mesopotamian times and such all of these evil alien overlords drinking blood and such Hmm. I've Obviously, even found there's one or two subgroups of the um, conspiracy theorist crowds that think that angels drink blood, hmm. which is quite interesting. Or not, well, Nephilim, so the children of angels that walk among us apparently drink blood, drink human blood, which I'm not entirely sure about that. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about vampirism and conspiracy theory. Because there's a lot of popular conspiracy theories out there. And some of the big ones involve this idea that there is a, a group of people that are in charge secretly of the entire world, right? And apparently they like meet up and they do blood rituals and they drink like people's blood and stuff like that. I'm told they like to drink the blood of children and such like. Have you ever tasted the blood of children, Chris? No. I I don't know about you, but most things, I'm of the feeling most things that come out of children are icky. Yes, children are rather disgusting creatures, aren't they? I'm glad I was never one. <laughs> so... <laughs> Because obviously we all know I just hatched, fully formed, didn't I? You did. Yeah. Um, so basically, what is your take on these this idea of secret societies that use blood magic and use blood magic or incorporate the drinking of blood in blood sorcery? Because blood sorcery is legitimately a thing goes back a little while um we know that because a lot of people <laughs> we've felt over the earth have messed themselves up not necessarily in this lifetime but there are ancestors and such that has done stuff to do with blood sorcery and it's affected their descendants um i think we were going to talk about that in a traditional witchcraft podcast but we'll we'll yeah. we'll leave that there and we'll talk about the uh the David Icke sort ones. So the David Icke ones are like, well, people meet up and they worship like evil demon things that look like owls and stuff. And um, yeah, there's like this whole secret ritual like, and they basically, they get babies and children and then they like kill them and then they drink their blood and stuff. So what's your take on that? Do you think that goes on? Well, it probably does because people are stupid. Um... <laughs> Why does it go on? Is it because that Tom Cruise has decided to join yet another cult and, you know, he thinks, well, I'm a little bored with this Scientology stuff. I think I'm going to try something a little bit more hardcore. <laughs> a bit more edgy. <laughs> something a little bit more edgy. Yeah. Tom Cruise, the ultimate edge lord. Messaging me. Honestly. So yeah, so you say have you ever been invited to any of these little functions and such? 
What, where they drink the blood of ch of the innocent? Well, I don't necessarily need to be innocent. Have you ever taken part? And I'm ex asking you directly now, Chris, so you've got to answer. Oh, okay. Right. I'm asking you directly, have you ever, in this lifetime, taken part in any rituals that involve you or anyone else in the ritual drinking human blood? Whether yeah. on purpose or accidentally? No. Oh, just me then, is it? <laughs> yeah, just you. Okay. Right, so is there anything else we needed to talk about? I think that just about covers everything, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so vampirism, you were a fan of that Buffy the Vampire thing, weren't you? Yeah, but mostly for the little wicker, naturally, funnily enough. Is that the one with the red, the red hat that goes all crazy yeah. at some point? Yeah. Right, do so you like the witchy aspects of it? You didn't like the vampire aspects of it? Well, I liked, <clears throat> yeah, I liked the witchier parts of it. So all the the cursing and shit. Um, whereas not so much interested in the feeding of blood. Um, the, sa the same with the more modern ones with Twilight and such. What's, what's interesting is the lore. What's interesting is the um, how they all span around the same thing, apart from obviously Twilight and the fucking glitteriness. I don't understand that. Um, no Bram Stoker ever came up with that shit. Like, um, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's an alluring. Um, concept and law and i think that's what pulls most people in that direction um is the fantasy of it all um but really if you think about it all all a vampire is is a, a sexier succubus um <laughs> for the 20 for the the 20th and 21st century is essentially what we're talking about there is you've given flesh to a succubus or an incubus, really. Um, but instead of feeding on sex, they're feeding on a different, um, a Juice. different bodily, a different bodily function. So with your stereotypical vampire, there's some common themes. The first theme is that they aren't really human, but used to be human. So it's kind of like some kind of undead thing. So it's supposed to last or be immortal or last a very long time. So be able to survive for a very long time most of the time that you see in like books and TV and films and stuff. And you've got the idea of, well, it used to be human, but now it's somehow unnatural. It's undead. It's something different. It's yeah. gone through a process that retains some of the characteristics, but now it's some kind of monster. So the second thing that you tend to get is that vampires need to drink blood whether it be human blood or other things like stephanie mary did the whole like vegetarian vampires which means that they drink like tiger and bear blood and blood of animals and such and that changes their eye color from red to people apparently that drink human blood have red eyes and the vampires that drink animal blood have brown eyes I'm wondering if I like to drink the blood of fish. Is that why I've got blue eyes in the Stephanie Mayer's world, maybe? <laughs> she never did answer that question. Um, but yeah, so the idea that the, the, the energy force, something within the blood, keeps the thing, monster, person, vampire, alive. Because when you think about the basic you know, what was it, 20th century? All of that kind of Mary Shelley, horror-y kind of stuff, Bram Stokery stuff, you know, that's, that's going back a bit. You know, there wasn't really a full understanding of blood. Blood was important. 
we have the concept of well obviously we ingest food and such but that then gets broken down in the nutrients and stuff that's necessary for our body kind of gets transported around in the arteries so it does kind of make some sort of almost logical sense that well rather than eating food why don't you just drink the blood and get the nutrients of someone from their blood you know and obviously with television and such it's quite good i think call for people to like turn what used to be like a neck pinchy kiss kind of thing into basically slicing in someone's neck it's very graphic isn't it for television and film but there are a couple of other things like the whole sunlight thing right symbology of sunlight because sunlight apparently is good and there's lots of terribly evil and disgusting deities associated with the sun <laughs> so it's not all good but stereotypically nighttime is danger time and therefore bad things associated with nighttime therefore monsters coming out to hunt or vampires or people maybe everyday people that turn into vampires at night something like that like you're kind of werewolfy type thing under a full moon maybe you've got that kind of concept now i know when it comes to like uh vampire academia and the research that's been done into vampirism they kind of think of uh i think it was it plague times it's like medieval times isn't it when people are very divorced divorced from death and people that would happen across or had to, you know, bury. I know this was kind of a thing during the plague, I think. They would make mass graves and stuff like that. And a number of people would have probably been put off by the fact that when you're dead, obviously we think of people as dead, but the hair and the nails kind of bleed and continue to grow a little bit. So it's quite scary for someone that doesn't really know much about corpses i think thousands of years ago people were maybe a little better able to deal with and understand what corpses actually look like and behave like during this kind of monotheistic period where death and the dying process was basically they tried to sanitize it and make it a scary thing people started to lose they didn't have as much contact with actually dead people, dead things. So a lot of these legends and things would crop up. Why is that man that died of a really old age? Why is his hair still growing? Why, why has he got blood around his face? You know, why does he seem to be bleeding out of like his fingernails and stuff like that? It's all very creepy. And then tells and stories, you know, um, there was that whole thing about like, uh, I know with, um, cemetery and uh graveyard architecture and stuff at one point because the victorians used to make bells didn't they that if you were buried Dead alive ring the bell to say i'm buried alive dig me back up again it's all really rather interesting for more information on that you can do your own homework but we've got to go into the thought witchcraft patreon the extended edition of this here podcast and i'll talk about my experiences with vampires the real vampires so people that actually drink human blood, witches, magical practitioners, the old traditional witchcraft and all that. But I'm not going to talk about it publicly. I'm going to talk about it on the extended edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast, which you can get from above Witchcraft Patreon. The reason for this is twofold. One, I want to make you pay for it because we need to put food on the table. And this year, a little bit of clickbait. I bet we're going to have one or two patrons come on just to hear Liam's stories about real life vampires. The second thing is that this is a subject that I don't consider to be something that's worth emulating. There's all sorts of crazies talking about this sort of subject on online, and I wouldn't consider myself to be crazy, apart from the few moments every now and then where I have a, a little crazy session, a little crazy breakdown and stuff like we all do, right? So... I don't want to put too much knowledge and information out there to the general masses and population and public because I don't see it being of any use to them, right? So there we go. That's it for the regular edition of the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast. Get yourself on the Thought Witchcraft Patreon. And Mr. Chris, talking about real-life vampires. Now, Chris, 
I don't know whether we've ever talked about vampires that I would have met. Have we ever had that conversation? I don't I don't know if we have no. or not. Right, okay. There we go. I paused for dramatic effect, but also because the countdown timer now means that we're now officially on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. So, patrons, now I can actually say what I wanted to say, and I can be a little bit more honest without all the clickbaity stuff. Now, in terms of vampirism, on a psychic level, we've all had some dealings and interferences with that kind of thing. But many magical practitioners will say that there is no such thing as a vampire. Now, in terms of the Bram Stoker type, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say, look, the sort of people that actually go and feed upon the blood of children and such or feed upon each other's blood, they're probably hardcore Wiccans. You know, Wiccans like to dress up as witches to make themselves feel more powerful and special. Well, imagine they take it a step further and they join some kind of biker bar and wear colour changing contact lenses instead of crushed velvet and, you know, think of themselves as some kind of extra from what's that franchise you like is it underworld that the one with yeah, the lady underworld. underworld yeah they think they're in underworld right um we're not talking about that uh, i mean if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do it's not really my cup of tea but what i want to talk about is i want to talk about blood um drinking blood with regards to ritual practice magical practice now Blood can be a powerful thing. It links you with your descendants, whether that be going up the chain or down the chain. So whether that be the people um, that are in your family and your bloodline previously to you, or whether it be your children and your grandchildren or all that kind of thing, right? So it does link you to them. There is knowledge. Is they say nice. blood is lives, isn't it? Blood is lives, our favourite quote from that BBC Dracula show. I do highly recommend it. We did a podcast on that, didn't we? Yeah. Now, one thing that I have seen is that I have seen one or two practitioners over the years, and this is not by any means common, but I will be truthful, and it is actually a thing, that they do consume blood. Okay? Now, what this is, is this is a um a symptom of unbalance because we look at the psychology okay we have to look at the psychology at play within certain practitioners certain magical paths and such now there are like led zeppelin says yes there are two paths you can walk down but in the long run there's still time to change the road you're on right as we all know there's three paths and the middle one's the right one in it just depends whether you go up the middle one or down the middle one. Either way, you'll get to your destination, but one is a much more darker road than the other. These people that go to the left, left-hand path, these people that go to the right, right-hand path, well, that's just modern-day bullshit that they've uh, they've tried to feed you, right? So the middle path, the path of balance, okay, what I would class the path of the light, but that doesn't mean you have to be a goody two-shoes. Trust me, you can still fuck people up. Um, but the balanced path is one that you, is very much um, integrated into human nature, natural human nature, because us as humans, we unbalance ourselves, right? Whether it be psychologically, whether it be physically with illnesses and stuff like that, you know, all of these things. As humans, we need a certain level of balance to keep ourselves healthy, both mind, body, and soul. When you disrupt that balance, and one of the ways that you can disrupt that balance, of course, is through magic, an alchemical transmutation, because vampirism is very often linked and symbolic of alchemical transaction. Um, alchemical transmutation, you know, the whole coffin thing, the whole turning into a bat thing, all of that sort of stuff is very symbolic. But when you take substances, for example, booze, alcohol, you know, spirits, right, they change your psychology. We've all potentially seen drunks, people with drug problems, and they become monsters, right? You ever met a drunk, Chris? Not the funny sort, the one that breaks into your house and steals your money. 
Of course, they're called relatives. Yes, relatives. There we go. Half of Chris's family. <laughs> I don't mean to take the piss. I've got my fair share of my family. Um, you've got that is unbalanced from a physical, very physical, and um, from the brain's perspective. So not just psychology, but also, you know, you've got to think about withdrawal from drugs, all that sort of thing. It does have chemical... Um, chemical disruption i think a chemical alteration change chemically stuff goes on and changes in the body as well as like psychologically speaking but with that you've got obviously something something going wrong something going unnaturally dodging right with regards to magical practice those that are looking to push themselves and growl the only way you can do that essentially is to reforge yourself so kind of like the whole butterfly cocoon thing you know the a little growth little maggoty looking caterpillar thingy goes into a cocoon as stimulate stim, uh, as stimulated as shown by the hermit card in the rider wake smith deck right hermit you're thinking taking it on board making a big breakthrough and then bursts out as some new thing, right? We call that paradigm shifting, Chris, I think. We talk yes, about normally. people trying to shatter their own paradigm and grow, you know, accumulate better knowledge, power, ability, that kind of thing. But that's that's a very common thing. That's very important, I think, to a lot of occultists, magicians, witches and that out there. Personal alchemical transmutation is the process of turning lead, which you currently are, into gold, which is the thing you want to be. The old EA Cowetin, you know, he's one of those geezers, that guy off YouTube that likes to think he's like some kind of super magician or Living something like God. that. Dark path. He's the sort that wears color changing contact lenses and that, right? So we got like our EA Cowetin type who wants to use some kind of dark alchemy they want to use some kind of alchemy because i suppose they're drawn to that sort of aesthetic to begin with i guess or the taboo or something like that but they decide to start fiddling with their own soul aspects of their own energetic bodies let's say and lo and behold they actually manage to do something they actually manage to make a change but is that a change that turns them into a butterfly or is that a change that turns them into some kind of monster from Scooby-Doo? Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah, some kind of like, I don't know. Um, what's that creepy film that I can't ever get out of my head? I think I've suppressed it. Oh, Human Centipede. That's a great film. Everyone go home and watch Human Centipede. One, two, and three for your homework. <laughs> no, thank you. No? Yeah, so this alchemical transmutation actually does something. Now, we think about that old saying, you are what you eat, or you are what you work with. If you're starting to cause some sort of transmutation, some sort of change within yourself, you're, you're working with spirits of some kind of parasitic nature. Yes, you can be fed on, but one also has to remember, much with vampirism, how do you turn into a vampire where apparently you get bitten by one or something, don't you? That's normally how it goes. Um, by a bat. Yeah, by a vampire bat or something like that. You turn into a vampire or you get bitten by a werewolf and turn into a werewolf or you drink the, what is it? You drink moon water out of the uh, paw print of paw a fucking midnight or something like that. Do you think that's why all those Wiccans make moon water? Do you think they're all trying to turn themselves oh, into maybe. Werewolf? We've cracked are it, Chris. We? Maybe that's, maybe that's what they do for their final transmutation. You know, they go through initiation grade one, first degree, then second degree. By third degree initia in Wicca, they can make some moon water. And I mean, like, not the fake ones that the first degree initiates do by just putting some water outside. I mean, they actually use the moon's rays reflected in a mirror outside, like our Lady Poison would be proud of. And then they learn the final stage to get to initiatory grade Four. The fourth degree? Liam, there is no fourth degree in Wicca. Maybe there is. Maybe at that point you are a werewolf. Who knows? I don't know. But it would explain why so many of these Wiccans are the size they are. 
if they turn into like massive bear mutating. Yes, they are mutating slowly with all that fucking moon water. Anyway, I digress. Pupating. <laughs> Going back to vampirism, vampirism and alchemical transmutation. If you are doing the sort of magic and rituals that are quite parasitic, that will manifest in your life in and change you so for example some of the things that i've seen quite a lot of when it comes to astral warfare and stuff are the sort of people and we can talk about lichens and um werewolves and stuff like that as well as vampires but some of the tribes and such um and the shamanic approach or um, i say shamanic approach you know that style of magic not too culturally misappropriate or anything um of going into the astral and turning, have some, some sort of transmutation of your astral body, turning into a wolf or turning into a spirit animal to go and hunt someone or something down on the astral, right? That will have an effect eventually on your physical body. Now, if you are the sort of person that goes from one of those old fashioned black lodges where they do love so much to teach, um astral assault hexing cursing banishing and stuff like that and you do that constantly but you up that you get further into that you go deeper down that rubber hole eventually what happens is the psychology your psychology changes you stop to care you stop caring about your fellow man you stop caring about your fellow woman those people in between um the t and lgbt bgb plus the alphabet people you know all of the alphabet people you don't care about all the alphabet people right or any of the other people or animals and stuff all you start seeing is food all you start seeing is people to exploit this is one of the common things that you find within conspiracy when they talk about capitalists and business people and bankers and that are all greedy evil they suck the money of the world because money is the lifeblood of the modern age type thing right or quite symbolic now if you have an actual magical practitioner and they unbalance themselves by working with a lot of parasitic entities that not just feed upon them but teach them to feed upon others that is going to have an effect on the psychology and what starts to happen is not only do they start to feed upon other people from a psychic perspective on the astral world and do all that sort of thing. But when you start to do that, and when you start to think of people as food, as snacks, as lesser than you, it doesn't take much for you to start parodying them or parodying or performing some initiatory rites and stuff in parody so i have met one or two there's a certain spanish family that i won't name um who have actually got rituals that they do perform that does involve drinking blood but it is done in parody none of them need the blood to survive but what they've been doing for so long is looking at what they consider to be plebs, people of the lower lesser, their fellow humans, as lesser than them, those outside of the family or the group. They start looking at them and they like start to think that they're disgusting and vile, like vermin, you know. And what happens is that some things, like when you get a bunch of racists selling racist jokes, or I don't know what the KKK get up to nowadays, but they used to like do all various symbolic gestures of like burning um, stick people on bonfires and all that kind of thing, I think, didn't they? Um, but this starts to factor into the psychology. So people will actually mirror that practice. They will become that. You become, you are what you eat. If you are a monster and you hang around with monsters, then the chances are you're possibly going to become a monster. So now I don't involve blood sorcery at all in my personal practice. Um, the closest thing to working with blood that I get involved with is when people that come to us, Chris, fuck up blood sorcery themselves and need it undoing, which happens yep. enough times for me not to laugh, basically. At this point, I just sigh, oh, another one. <laughs> But that does not mean that there is not something that you cannot learn from vampirism. And that thing you can learn from it is not 
to lose your way, not to lose your humanity. Chris, you're an evil person, just like me. I still don't think we've lost our humanity, though, have we? We might be close. No, we do it. We do it down occasionally, but that's normally in order to be able to do the things that we need to do. If yeah. you start, you know, which is where, again, I know we talk about this a lot, but is why we have the don't affect people for more than one lifetime rule. Yeah. Um, when you start to think of people as cattle, um, it starts to become, you know, a slope that you can quite easily slip down. Um, but I think it is, it is interesting. Uh, there are a lot of cultures that use uh, the blood of animals in mm. their practice. Um, again, about life forces is normally, like you were saying, the most um, direct way of describing what they're, what they're talking about in a very representational way. Um, actually, you know, smearing the blood of animals on their body, you know, that sort of thing, absorbing the energy and life force of that being, um, you know, is, is quite a common, quite a common thing. Um, the drinking of blood is, is much rarer um mm. other than kind of a ceremonial sacrificial drop yeah. or two that may be added to wine um so actually what you are drinking is really the wine but there is a drop of human blood in it um and i know a lot of people when they look at kind of manuscripts and kind of pictorial representations think a lot more of that so it, you know it gets kind of like pushed out in a further option you also got not to go too kind of conspiracy led but kind of um you know the holy grail uh sang oh yeah holy blood holy grail. those kind of um where you know a vessel of blood would be um you know the womb so you know you've got those very interesting concepts that are talked about in terms of blood that kind of go beyond the vampire and more into kind of you know berserker culture or um other kinds of uh beast worship shall we say mm. um also you know you've also got the other end um where you've got these old wives uh witches you know putting a drop of their <laughs> menstrual blood in order to slay enslave their husband yeah. those sorts of those sorts of That's concepts awesome, yeah so um, that is using your own in that point using your own menstrual blood yeah. so you, your power and link and there's a considerable amount of potent energy there if you're trying to trap a mundane that's probably overkill yeah <laughs> so what you know but for me the the main reason i avoid blood is more that it's it's a dirty practice mm. there's too much that on the physical realm can go wrong in yeah. terms of you know tetanus hepatitis um hiv like do you know what i mean like there are too many blood-borne viruses at this point in the world for you to kind of mess around with blood a little bit too much um and the other part is it could just as easily for a decent witch to be done energetically speaking and not need to actually be so symbolic in the physical in a physical way um mm. i think is the main reason i personally avoid it is cleanliness um i find too much practice is is dirty these days the same reason i don't really use spittle that used to be a mm. big um you know traditional witch methodology yeah. um it's again not a big not a big one for me um there's a, an interesting part of kind of entrail reading and stuff that includes kind of reading blood in that way that can be quite interesting but again that's you know probably a a topic for another time um but yeah blood sorcery as a whole is one of those things that is just messy and I mean both figuratively, as I do um, physically, because people often don't consider all the ramifications 
of messing with a bloodline. Mm. Um, and at this point, you know, and I think particularly being British and knowing quite how mongrel our blood is, yeah. um, I think that is one of the things that really stops me kind of wanting to push that kind of practice um, because there's just so much that can go wrong with it if you don't understand the consequences. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of like, I think blood sorcery is often, um, how, how does the, how does the phrase go? Um, all bravado, no trousers. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't think of the phrase. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all bark, no bite. As we're talking about werewolves, I guess. Um, it looks good and it looks showy and it looks scary and edgy. Mm. And therefore people think, oh, that's cool. We're actually, it's a messy practice. And there are much cleaner ways to get your job done um, that require less collateral damage, shall we say. In, I think films have very often pushed this, the media has pushed this idea that what is scary is powerful. Yeah. So if it's blood, if it's ghosts, if it's demons, they're all super powerful. And the goody goodies, they've got to just do their best to try and, you know, defeat them. But if you want anything done, you need to do something super powerful. Whatever is super powerful in the film and TV usually is gross or scary. Yeah. From a Western perspective, anyway. Um, the reason I wanted, because I picked this episode from our list, it's been on the episode list for quite a while, was because there's lessons to be learned. One of the lessons that I haven't spoken about um, that won't make sense to a lot of people, but still comes up, unfortunately, among practitioners that should know better, people that have been doing this for a long time. There's a certain someone we've spoken about Chris before that this is relevant to and that is those practitioners that are looking for this idea of some form of immortality some kind of ascension some kind of pushing forward to retain their persona ego um, personality beyond death and the way in which they do that is they think I want to be in this physical world and live again. I'm going to work with blood sorcery. I'm going to work within my blood family line. That could not be further from the truth in most respects. It is one of the greatest natural jokes, I think. Um, because people look at that and people think blood, obviously my children and my blood will live again. They will live on and I will live through them. I will link to that. I will anchor to that within that blood. And I will come back in my family and such. Generally speaking, from my perspective, if you want to do something that you're assured is not going to link back to you, that would be something that I would do. It is the equivalent of saying, I've just done something really naughty, and I'm in that kind of James Bond scene in a film where I need to take my disposable phone and put it on a train that's going the opposite direction of where I'm fucking going, right? Reason for that is that, yes, your blood and such will carry on, ideally, if you have children, but even if you don't, I mean, it's still linked in some way, shape, or form to other humans, right? So putting something that is in storage, attaching something, some magic, whatever you want, to something that is not actually <laughs> directly attached to you or to a future incarnation of you can be potentially useful. So if you want to start working on this idea of immortality, you dark magicians out there, or like magicians like that, then you need to look a bit further than this silly little rock that we call Earth and this silly little universe that we call the physical realm, right? Because if you're tying things here, 
it's kind of like when I watched my nan try and use a smartphone for the first time. And I mean, she's a Luddite. She's not good with technology. And she's got arthritis, which basically makes all of her fingers look like one of those, a fucking coat hanger, right? She goes to press one button and she pushes the one that's like free along from it. Siri don't much help either because she was a lifelong smoker. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> Can you repeat that? <laughs> but there we go, we've got five minutes left. Are there any final thoughts on vampirism or anything that we've kind of discussed in general? So I likened them earlier to, which is where I, I kind of see them kind of, if you were travelling back up their bloodline, shall we say, from this concept of a vampire, if we were to go a little bit further up, then I think you'd get the the succubus or the incubus that kind of uh you know sex demon um to me they're a kind of watered down version of that or a, a version of it made flesh so rather than being a spirit it's more of a physical body i think that's where they steal a lot of the concepts of um kind of beauty and mm. the allure and the kind of telepathy aspects of a lot of the kind of um uh, vampire-like creatures these days are all always very alluring um apex predator kind of moments um is to kind of think of, about those parts and thinking about what are they are they useful to you in any way shape or form could you create an egregore that serves the same purpose you know is it a case of or take a step out of you know, uh, take a leaf out of one of their books of that kind of absorbing energy for a big spell you've got coming up, you know, of kind of what, if any, applications are there any, you know, could mm. you, um, instead of, a, you know, a big messy death for someone you dislike, could you not just, you know, attach a blood jar to them that is essentially going to just bleed them dry of everything that makes them them until all you've got is a the energy of a soulless life in a jar um you know just to kind of add a slightly more high magic spin on it um mm. less less kind of low magic with the whole blood sorcery side are there ways to consider how vampirism works as a concept rather than focusing on what a vampire is or is not, um, you know, as a concept of borrowing or taking life force, what is that worth? What is that useful for? Um, you know, what, if you were to take the, the solar energy that you were going to use for that spell, what's that equivalent in life force of a person? Do they weigh the same? Is one is one more valuable than the other? Does one pack more punch than the other? They're um, all kind of concepts to kind of think about in terms of vampirism. Um, obviously, I'd probably liken them more to a succubus on the basis that I've been one for so long. Um, but it just really depends on kind of how you apply these concepts to your practice. In what way would it be useful in a particular kind of spell or not useful full stop? Um, you know? I'd be interested in hearing patrons what your experiences with vampirism has been. Are you one of those people that has read every single Twilight Saga book? Do you like vampires? Do you like the vampire werewolf mythology, mythos, TV series and such? We both watched that thing. What was it with the vampires in it? Originals, isn't it? Which is a spin-off of the Vampire Diaries. There's that new one called Legacies. Have you seen that? I think that's a spin-off no. as well. Yeah, there's this new thing. So they had the Vampire Diaries and then they had the originals, which you like. And then the vampire basically is it klaus the bad bad yeah. isn't he? his yeah. daughter spoiler alert obviously grows up so she ends up going to the salvatore school and the legacy series is all about the people that attend that school 
Ooh. I started watching bits and pieces of it, but I won't spoil it. It's a fucking fantastic show and a guilty pleasure of mine. I mean, it's teenage fiction shite, but I love that sort of thing. I mean, this is the person that watched the whole Sabrina, the fucking Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and um, Teen Wolf and all that bollocks. I love that sort of shit. I love the mythology and the, how they deal with it like nowadays with modern like smartphones and stuff. But anyway, kids, that's it for this edition. Let us know in the comments if you have had dealings with vampires or suspected vampires and what your thoughts are on the whole vampirism thing. Goodbye and sleep tight. Mind the vampires that don't abide.